Hello everyone, this is Ari in the Air, welcome back to the podcast, Stoked you're here. Today, number four, with Alexander Bard. This episode, as you are going to hear, synthesizes so much of what we have been digging into in the last three episodes about culture, relationships, and sexuality. I would say that this episode is modern relationship advice from Alexander Bard and myself. This is something I've been interested, I have been thinking, speaking, listening to, reading about for a long time. If you are in need of support in your relationships, my philosophical coaching practice has shown to be very helpful for my clients that I've worked with in their relationships. So if you listen to this and you think that uh, the worldview that I have would be helpful for your life, then check out airyintheair.com slash coaching and you there's more information there. Uh, otherwise, yeah, check out my Patreon page that helps this channel go around. And without further ado, here is my fourth talk with someone who has become a friend of mine. Alexander Bard. Alexander Bard, thanks for being here again. Thank you for having me. Number four, we are growing closer and closer, of which I so appreciate. And today I want to... Um, I'll just have to reiterate the intro that I just didn't record, but, and as you sip a glass of red wine and I sip It's coffee. South African Pinotage, you know, it's just <laughs> like my favorite, so. Great. And I'm just waking up over here on the other side of the world. Um, so this is our first, our fourth conversation. And in the previous three conversations, we've talked so much about sexuality and relationships, men's relationships to other men, men's relationships sexually to other women. And I've gotten a ton of feedback on these conversations from a lot of people that I respect and that uh, we've done a lot of thinking together. And so I want to kind of dig into a few of these subjects with you and find some kind of synthesis or at least some clarity on what it is that you mean by a, a couple of these different things. Um, and I, I want to start by just kind of telling you how some of these things have integrated into my life. And then I can tell you where I'm still wondering how they integrate. Sure. Just remember that sexuality can never be harmonious or balanced. Yeah. And I, I think that that's something that I sexually can get on board with. But as I said before, I'm trying to integrate, you know, so much of what we've talked about has been referencing and specific to sex. And so I think that it's really enlightening and it has been inspiring and um, um, informative. And I have made some, I feel like I've made some changes in my relationships and my expectations of my uh, relationships with women just based on what you've told me. And I am trying to fit those lessons into my relationships even more. And um, when you say that 
sexuality is never going to be balanced or harmonious. I I can agree with that. The the polarity and the difference and the tension is all super delicious for me. And I'm wondering how I can fit that into my relationships. I've got um, a suggestion here. It, it's, um, at least in my circles these days, we call a lot about synchronizing a relationship. I think that's what you're looking for here. It's like if you, for example, have a primary partner, girlfriend or something like that, is to have a way where you synchronize with her. You check in with her on a regular basis. I think that's what we're looking for relationships these days. And, and that, 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 that goes beyond the idea that sexuality can never be harmonious or balanced. Because when I say it cannot be harmonious or balanced, what I mean is that the whole turn on thing, the thing that turns you on sexuality is precisely that you never really get it. You're never mm. really there. Mm. It's still something you have to catch. Like all desires, they escape you constantly. Yeah. It's like you, you don't want your desire ever to be fulfilled because as soon as you get what you want, a desire is moved somewhere else. Yep. This is what I mean with it not being harmonious or balanced, but to live in a synchronized relationship. Listen, I practice that. I'm very tough on that with the people I live with, both men and women, is that we do synchronize our relationships with one another on a regular basis. And okay, let's, let's, for. let's talk Synchronization, about it. Synchronization, I just suggest that. It's a good word for that. I like that. And I, I, I think yeah. that I think that there's a lot of us here in America and Canada, that the term that we use for this synchronization that you're referring to is emotional intimacy. Just that we check in with each other and that we're willing to share what's going on for us, our thoughts, feelings, expectations, all of this stuff. So help me understand, because you've you've said a couple of times that men should not be seeking intimacy from women. They should have, they should seek that from other men. And so help me delineate here between the synchronization and intimacy and and oh god you, I would I would that. never equal intimacy with synchronization. Okay, tell me. Just take a really nasty example, rape. You probably agree with me, rape is intensely intimate, and that's exactly what's so horrific. And it's got nothing to do with synchronization, nothing to do with harm or balance either. It's just a power game, right? So I would say that intimacy is one thing, but I would say synchronization is something entirely different. You can also have rather distant relationships to some people. For example, professional relationships that last for decades that are wonderful. You know, professional relationships, your colleagues you go out and have dinner with and realize you become friends after 30 years working together, building a company together. And, you know, maybe even your children get married one day with one another or whatever. You create a client out of that. You're not really intimate with them. You never were. But all the years you spend together building, for example, a company together, um, replaced the need for intimacy because you became incredibly synchronized. That's hmm. why I think synchronization is the key word. I think intimacy, I would definitely place in the sexual realm. That's something you're looking for sexually. And it's very common to look for it inside sexuality if you're a man. Women don't. It's a very specific masculine trait to look for intimacy and sex at the same time. And I just try to make people realize the two different things. And actually, the thing you need to train in that case is to be more intimate with other men, to then be even more sexual with women. Because the, the reward you get for being less, trying to be less intimate with women is that the, the relationship becomes sexier. The sex becomes better, not the other but, way but, but define intimacy then. Okay. When men and women are asked, for example, before tantric sessions of what they expect to get, Nine women out of 10 say sex and love. And nine men out of 10 say sex and intimacy. 
And then we just show them intimacy and love, whatever they are, are not the same things. Just the fact that intimacy and love are not the same things. Mm -hmm. It's volumes about masculine and feminine fantasies and how actually they don't gel together. And that is key to understanding why, why there's a sexual attraction. If you and the woman you make love to have exactly the same fantasy, it all dies. It quickly dies. It dissolves. It's not interesting any longer. It becomes like sex work. You know, if you go to a sex worker, they just yeah, but that's that's not a definition. They just give you your fantasy, and that's what you pay for. That's <laughs> yeah, not, not a definition, though. But but the compromise, the compromise with a woman you make love to a woman is exactly the irritant that keeps you sexually attracted. What you expected to happen with her sexually was not what happened at all. And that's exactly what sexual attraction goes back to. It's the surprise element that's so damn important in sexuality. Now, intimacy, train yourself to think this way. Intimacy is something you need to nurture with other men, at least first. Basically, you're a man. Go to other men to find what you can get from other men. Then what's left after that is called sexuality, and that's what you find from women. Strongly recommend you to go there. Because otherwise you're stuck in your own masculine fantasy, what sexuality yeah. is supposed to be. But if you really want to meet women and you want to meet the female fantasy, and if your real joy is actually that a woman enjoys having sex with you even more than you enjoy it, which is a very heterosexual male fantasy, right? If that's where, you, where your goal is set, that she should enjoy having sex with you more than I even enjoy it. So I am I'm the instrument for her pleasure. Now, if that is the case, if you focus on that, then why would you pressure your fantasies so hard into that relationship rather than listen to what women want? And I can tell you one thing. When women say they want intimacy from sex, they've been pressured by men to say that. We actually sit down with them and ask them what they expect. They would probably describe intimacy as a little baby sucking their tit. But they would express love, sex as something entirely different. They, though, women, though, have to give up on constantly finding love inside of sex. That's why I recommend women to enjoy love during the date and then enjoy sex after the date. And once they can differentiate between the two, it helps them a lot. Hmm. It's just tantric advice, basically. Okay. Let me reflect back to you what I think is the, the, the bathwater that you're trying to throw out here. As you said in our last conversation, there was a, you know, like the Romeo and Juliet example that that was pathetic, that they would be so clinged. They would cling on to the idea of this romantic love so hard that they would kill, kill themselves. Um, and that that has to be like an all-encompassing relationship. The relationship needs to be all-encompassing. And I think that that's one of the modern relationship dynamics that are the downfall of so many people's relationships that you are speaking directly to, which is that the men and the women are both either conditioned or pressured or uh, naively wanting from the relationship so much more than is reasonable and or healthy that they should get. Yeah. And they the way the way I could put it in North America today is that religious people who go to churches or mosques or whatever have a lot less faith in romantic love than secular people do. Still their marriages last for decades. 
Interesting. Way better at marriages. Yeah. And then you look at secular Americans and Canadians who stop going to church and say, I'm not religious any longer. I'm secular. Maybe I'm an atheist or whatever. They are the ones who believe most in the boy meets girl romance thing. And their relationships don't last. They have divorce rates that are skyrocketing. So That's apparently it. they're putting too much pressure onto the man-woman relationship, which I'm trying to work with. I'm trying to get people more distant from that obsession and rather allowed us to be romantic more at the distance and see man and woman for what it is. Yeah. Okay. I agree. And uh, that's a great example of how the mindset or the expectation of what's going to come from the relationship can either make or poison the relationship. Yes, exactly. Okay. So if we over-romanticize our relationships and we, you know, the, the way I... Uh, another way I could put that is basically like, if you're constantly in the future of what your relationship is going to be in the future, then you're fantasizing and you're projecting and you're not actually observing and and you're not really in it. And I, I think that the marriage, uh, the religious marriage analogy there is to say that I guess the the baby in the religious marriage is essentially that in religions there is no small emphasis on each party in the marriage needing the community that comes with the congregation right like men having other men who support him and that he has many of his needs met from other men and the woman having the mirror of that from other women and community is the foundation for a solid marriage that can rear children and deal with crisis and tragedy, right? Because basically- Works a lot better, exactly. The isolated boy meets girl thing, Romeo and Juliet is dead in that sense. And it's this dead. Is what I try to remind this is why religious communities are totally superior to keeping marriages together. It's not because yeah. they're forced. It's not that people are forced to stay married. It's just that having other people around you, other men and women. Uh, I even have this idea in Sweden to propose that every child born in this country deserves four parents from day one. So you yeah. kind of have to figure out while you're pregnant who are the other two or three parents, yeah. are, right? So it's just a great idea to go back into the mode that there has to be lots of parents. It takes a village take, to raise a child, right? I exactly. mean, that's we, and it we takes a village to save time. a marriage. It takes a village to save a marriage. Same thing. I totally agree with that, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I think that most modern relationship advice is shit. Our friends give terrible fucking relationship advice, and the the whole feminism shtick has poisoned women's ability to support other women to deal with their relational issues with masculine men they're just like oh men are pigs and like that's and even if that isn't the implicit advice it's like there's a toxification uh, on both sides that the women aren't they don't have the skills and the practice requisite of really supporting a marriage in a profound way when their friend comes to them and says that there's a problem. And the same thing with men, you know, like men tend to go with there's more fish in the sea and women tend to go with you deserve better. You know, it's like the relationship advice is shitty. So what I hear, like 
the the core of what I hear and that I want to integrate into my life and my relationships from you is that like my support system, my community, my relationship to other men is absolutely foundational. If I want to relate in a romantic way, in a familial way, and in a sexual way to other women, that's like it's foundational. And if I don't get that stuff right, then I'm likely going to fall into the immature trap of nursing on the tit of this love object projection, you know, like, um, you're falling in love with the falling in love. Exactly. You're not falling in love with a woman ever. You just move from one object to the next. Yeah. That's what we call sex addiction. Yeah. Or love addiction. if you like. Yeah. There's Same a, thing. there's a big romance addiction too. And I've, yeah. it's not that I haven't, um, felt that in myself i mean the 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 feeling of making a new relationship with a woman like like even developing a sexual relationship with a woman as you continue to make love in repeated iterations and it gets better and it gets more profound and it gets more fun it's like that's a fucking whirlwind addicting experience for people you know so i can i can totally attest to the thing that people would get addicted to and, you know, there was another thing that you said that I think is really beautiful. And we talked about it in relationship to polyamory. And that was that the aim of polyamory is to be a fucking adult all the time. And, and when you slip back down into being a boy or you slip back down into being a girl that you grow up and you come back into adulthood and you, and and adulthood there is like a deep maturity of your place in the world and also remembers that you have no right to feel jealous of other people and all this like it the adulthood that you refer to i think it just kind of like begs a maturation out of the pettiness of human relationships that we find ourselves mired in from geopolitics to the to the rivalrous dynamics of our economy. Like our world is just fraught with immature, petty scarcity and emotion. And to be able to grow up and have a community and to have a community like of men and friends and mentors that can like hold you up and straighten you out when you get bent out of shape and where you really have a deep desire to show up in a mature an integrated and loving way, like loving in the realist, most profound sense that you can imagine that term. That's like the fucking thing that we're aiming at. Yeah. So that's, that's why I would say that love starts with your own gender and it starts with yourself. Yeah, it does. It start it starts with the act of self-acceptance, yeah. which is not a feeling. You don't have a choice. Spinoza framed it beautifully 400 years ago. He said that the Greeks were discussing love and they were discussing divine love, agape, or they were discussing brotherly love, philia, discussing sexual love, eros, right? And then he just said that, but the Greeks are missing out on the fourth aspect of love. It's just acceptance. It's just, it's just accepting your fate. So you are who you are. You can't escape yourself. You cannot divorce yourself. That's impossible. Then you have to go and kill yourself or whatever, you know? So... Every day you should start with just looking yourself in the mirror and having no opinion about yourself at all and just realizing you have to accept yourself and then giving yourself a pat on the back because you accept yourself. Okay, this is what I've got to play with. This is who I am. These are the cards. 
that these are the cards. That's self-love. Yeah. Please note how he's not emotional. But because it's not emotional, it can afford to be emotional when you meet another person. So you can feel you got a brother who you love and you can feel you met this woman who's so fucking attractive. It's unbelievable. And you can even go into those relationships and search for something even higher, more meaningful or deeper, if you like, which is approaching something that could even be divine love. Mm. You know, like you could find it from other men, especially with psychedelics. <laughs> and you could find it from women, which usually these days means sexuality. So mm -hmm. you, you can certainly you can certainly find this this deep deep sense of love. You could also find that the divine love is something that comes out of the congregation or the community of people around you. Yeah, that it's rather tribal, and that's where the real love resides. Especially, for example, you and a woman have a child together. You try to raise a family. You run into a major crisis, and suddenly your brothers step up, and they support you. And you realize you couldn't have handled the crisis without their support. That's love. Yeah. That's real love, right? So so then the love came out of the community itself, and probably that's where it really belongs, rather than mixing up the love and the sexual act in themselves. Yeah. I would rather say that most people live together and love each other. They love each other the least when they have sex. They mm. love each other the most when they do not have sex. And that's exactly why I say for women, it's important to train themselves to separate sex and love. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I like it. And I think that that that, think, that aspect that, of self-love just being an act, an act of faith, an act of acceptance without any feelings whatsoever, I think is incredibly important to start from there. Spinoza called it amor deis intellectualis. His point was this. If God loves himself, then God can only love himself through an intellectual exercise of self-acceptance. It's, it's beautiful. It's fucking genius of Spinoza to think that way. But it makes absolute sense because our subjectivity, after all, is a reflection of the divine or what we seem to be the divine. Like, what would be ideal me? What would be the ideal art? What would be the ideal Alexander, right? Well, how can I try to be the ideal version of myself at the moment? Yeah. And, and that's exactly what we think. So what would God have done if he'd been in my case? He'd been here with me, right? What would a forefather have done? What would the foremother have done? What would the patriarch and matriarch have done? What would a mentor have done if he'd been me at my age? So... That's what self-love is. And I think that that allows us then to be very emotional about other relationships. But the one relationship we must skip the emotions altogether, I think, is self-love. I this this idea where the foundation for our capacity to relate to other people and love other people starts with our ability to accept and love ourselves is beautiful. And I fucking bang on this drum as much as I possibly can. And I want to yeah. I want to paint a a, a picture of that ideal self, how I see it in myself lately. And that's essentially, and, and this is something you're, you're pointing at in most things that I hear you say, you're pointing to this concept that for me, I love that, that book, uh, Anthony DeMello, The Way to Love. I recommend it for everyone. It's so cutting and just illuminating on, on getting rid of the immaturity and the pettiness out of our relationships and our, our, and, and definitely not calling petty, emotional romanticism and possessiveness. Don't call that love for whatever you do. Do not poison the fucking word love with that kind of shit. No, so, you can never mix love and manipulation. Yeah, it doesn't. It's it's not exactly. love, that, love only exactly exists in freedom. Yeah, that's love exactly only exists the point in freedom. Yeah, yes, so you really exactly. have to let go of 
expecting other people to just like serve you and love you into perpetuity. You really want to set people free to do the things that they want to do and that they, um, that really shows you who loves you and how you love them. Right. So, uh, one of the, one of the chapters in that book, it talks about one of the characteristics of love is non-discrimination. It's like the goal of a loving being is to like be loving all the time in every relationship that they have. And so for me, that kind of points out that if you are reserving your loving for your intimate partnership, say, then you are robbing all of the men in your life of this profound um, intimacy, growth, support, love. Because in America, and I assume the world, the subject of relational self-help is massive. But people fixate on their partnerships as if that's the relationship that they have to enact their relational self-help learnings on. And that leaves out, or it, it at least starts with some kind of vacuum that like, that your relationships are separated, that your relationships are not interconnected, that the way you show up in one relationship isn't exactly how you're going to show up in other relationships. It's just, and and this is something, this is like a, uh, when I say this, I feel like you have screamed this on my podcast for four hours now, at least four hours. And so I I, I want to put it in my own words and, and reflect it back to you and just uh, have a, have a moment here that, you know, when I think about loving, like when I think about my own ideal, like how I want to show up as a loving man in the world, like the way that I treat my girlfriend and the way that I treat my best friend's wife is really not that different. And if it's different than like, like, am I treating her differently because I'm not, I'm trying to keep him from feeling uncomfortable? Fuck that, man. No, like, like I, look after and love on my entire community as much as I possibly can, right? So I really want the my ideal of lovingness, I really want it to like permeate more relationships than just one. Jesus. It's like my, fa my favorite defense of polyamory is this one. Darling, you're my favorite dish and I love sushi and I'll eat sushi the rest of my life, I could eat it every day, but sometimes I want something different than sushi. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great take on polyamory. It's like, I will, I know I will always love sushi. I will always love you because you're yeah. sushi, right? I don't know what I am to you, but you're sushi to me. And I love sushi. I could eat sushi every day. You know, it's like yogurt is another favorite. I could almost eat every day. Like, yeah, so I wanna... My favorite lover would be yogurt or something. <laughs> but, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes there is a very distant relationship. I might only need it once every six years. It might even be my literally. own gender. But yep. Literally. But there is that one person I need to see like once every six years. I don't know why, but then it's over and done with. It's yep. just a meeting. But, you know, 
there are those exquisite little things, at least in my life as well, that are not sushi. I would never eat them every day. I don't even eat them every year. But yeah. sometimes I just got to have that one thing. I want to play like your grapes, analogy you know, back. Same thing. You said, yeah. So, so polyamorous relationships should really start with the fact that you call your primary partner. You're my favorite dish in the world. And I love, you know, really exquisite cuisine. You're the best, right? But there are other dishes that can be cooked. Yeah. And I want to play that analogy from the opposite where basically because you just you played it as if me being your partner I'm consuming you and I'm consuming other people and I want to play it back from the other way where I actually am feeding you and I'm feeding other people and to say that to for my partner to say no I don't want you to love other people I say well fuck off then you know it's like I don't want anything to do with any person who wants me for themselves and doesn't yeah. doesn't really like if you can't see how much care and love i have for my best friend and his wife and his children then you don't you just don't get it you just don't get it and why would i want someone who would want to throttle that to restrict that to to shrink that i don't want that i don't want to, like for no, me. that's not love at all. That's just greediness. The, yeah. the thing is this, though. The thing is this, though. There is not limited love at all. Love is unlimited, but there's mm -hmm. limited time. There is. So this idea we have these days, and I think it's a brilliant term to say quality time, at least in Scandinavia, we say it all the time, was it quality time? Like, yeah. did you go deep with that person? Were you present? You yeah. know, when you spend those five hours on a Sunday afternoon with that person taking a long walk and you got really deep and personal, was that a quality experience? You say, oh yeah, it was a wonderful long walk, intense discussions, really meant tons of shit to me. It's a wonderful thing, right? So that's quality time. And like parents say, when they spend their time with the kids, they like it to be quality time. Now, without putting too much pressure on spending time with other people, time is limited. And okay. that's why I think every time you go into you know, an argument with, with your partner about love, you say, listen, I the more I can love you, the more I can love others, the more I love others, the more I love you. As long as love is a matter of expansion, uh -huh. there's no end to how much love there can be in the world or how much I can love. There's no end to it. And the more I get love and the more I, I am allowed to give love, the more love I have to give away. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's it, it's abundant, right? But the thing is, time isn't. And that's exactly what, but darling, maybe it isn't about love. Maybe it's just about the calendar. Haven't we spent enough time together recently? Or maybe we have spent a lot of time together, but with other people around us, being busy like hell, mm -hmm. working our asses off and haven't really synchronized. Mm -hmm. That's why I love the word synchronization is that, okay, Time for us to maybe just cancel everything, be just the two of us, take three days together, go somewhere and just synchronize. Yeah. And usually that solves everything with your partner. Okay, so I love this. And and I, I think that our vernacular being slightly different on this is fine. The synchronization, the long walk, the five-hour Sunday afternoon with a girlfriend where you're present and you share what is real for you in your life and your thoughts, your emotions, you have a deep conversation, you're very personal with each other, you're very open and and earnest and and you listen well and you so many of my needs for connection can be met in those 5 hours and by the person that I 
have sex with. And I think that, you know, one of the responses I got to our previous episodes was that, wait, is he saying that I can't be really close with my wife? That I can't be really close with my sexual partner? That I can't be emotionally intimate? That I can't share what is real? That I should, you know, because there's a kind of like some fucking, you know, like the Andrew Tate thing, the, I would call it like hyper macho male relationship advice that I also think is, is terrible. Um, they kind of say, Oh, you don't like, don't ever like cry to your girlfriend. Like your girlfriend doesn't want to see you cry. I'm thinking, Hmm, that's, I mean, in general, you don't like want your girlfriend to be your therapist. That's one thing that Alexander Bard has said. And I think we should circle back to, because I have a bit of a, like, I just want to clarify that, but remember, remember what I said, this is just advice, right? Yeah, so you want course. a really thriving, lasting relationship with your girlfriend. Yeah. You might even want to be polyamorous and still keep her, right? The advice is this one. What you can get from men, take it from men. Yeah, get it. What you can give to men, give to men. Then start looking for exactly what it is that a man cannot give you. And you will discover sexuality to begin with. You may very well discover other qualities too. Mm -hmm. Things you're looking for women. But watch out. Then watch out for what is your fantasy here. Uh -huh. What do you expect to get from women? And you discover that where you were lacking with having real friends when you grew up, and maybe a girl stepped in and took that role. You were yeah. one of the boys who played with the girls when you were a kid. You just became really comfortable having the girls around. A lot of men that I, for example, take into psychoanalysis that are heterosexual men are only comfortable with women because they're only comfortable with women when they grew up. Yeah. And they have a major problem relating to other men. So they have to work on that because you really need as a man to go to other men to find in them what you're looking for in them. That includes the therapy. The perfect therapist for you as a man is an older man. Yeah. It is neither a woman and certainly not your sexual partner. Yeah. And I can tell you, I have plenty of experience with this. I'm a psychoanalyst. I'm a tantra teacher. So for decades, I've seen the pattern that men go to women and whine and about all their problems, and they're self-obsessed, and they're narcissistic, and they want to talk about the childhood all the time, and it just tires her, and it kills the sex life, and suddenly he's surprised. She goes totally frigid about him, just like she's like cold sexually to him, and he thinks it's something to do with women. He's just ruined his sex life with her because she got so tired of being his therapist. I agree. Can we can we find though? There's a line here between that Sunday afternoon. You know, like, as I told you, like, I just put my dog down mm. and it's been incredibly difficult. And the support that I've gotten from my girlfriend has been invaluable and it's so beautiful. So, so, so help me understand this, this line here, because I, I agree that you don't want to turn your partner into your therapist. I also think that you should have the capacity to hold therapeutic space for your partner. Like, of course you should. Like, that is a thing that I can give to my friends. That is something that, like, that is a skill that I have developed in my life. And when my partner is in need of, like, deep listening and reflection and, and you know, listening for clarity, like, yeah. that's but wait, something... wait, 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 wait here. It is... It's a kick to felt you're needed. 
that's why it's so easy to become your partner's therapist. But actually, as soon as your partner brings us something that's a therapeutic issue, you should ask yourself, you could ask her right away, uh, is this the sort of thing that guys like Alexander Bart says you should actually go to an older woman? And then she might say, I don't have that older woman right now. Okay, then I will to help you. But you've got to work on the fact you need to get an older woman to go to your therapeutic issues. Hmm. Because we are playing with danger here and we're exhausting our relationship. We're not adding, expanding our relationship. We're not mm-hmm. adding value to the relationship. We're actually taking whatever energy our relationship have and we're using that energy for not what's supposed to be used, which is to be therapists to one another. So I'm not saying if you've got a girlfriend and she helps you out with something, I'm not saying that's a problem at all. And for God's sake, if you took down your dog and your girlfriend supported you, that's not therapy. That's just sympathy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just feeling with you. And of course, a woman you live with should do that. She's not going to be a cold bitch or anything. She's going to be a warm, generous, funny, wonderful woman who yeah. supports you as a woman would support her man. But what I'm saying is, think of it like dating. Like your relationship with a woman is a constant date. And well, hold, on, hold on, hold after- on. Re- hold on. Let me just reflect yeah. back to you what you just said, because I think okay. I think you just clarified something beautiful. The, you just made a distinction, and I think that to, to put it into our frame here, it's essentially that just as we said that your capacity to relate to a partner is predicated on your ability to love and accept yourself, and then in concentric circles outward, love and accept yourself, and then find men who are the same sex as you to garner a ton of support and to have a lot of your needs met through brotherhood, adventure, uh, therapy, mentorship, support, right? And then having a, like having someone who's that older man or older woman um, who can be your therapist essentially, which it doesn't have to be specifically a therapist, but, uh, there's not a ton of people in America in 2022 that can hold therapeutic space if they haven't been trained as a therapist. And I think that there's a bunch of downfalls of therapy and I won't get into that now. But um, but if that's missing from someone's support system, you don't want to just mindlessly interject yourself as the therapist and 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 become that therapist going forward. And what I heard you say was, Hey, this seems like what Bard was saying that this is somewhere where I think that if you had an older woman who is a therapist or had that kind of energy and that kind of relationship with you, a mentor, um, a wise sage that could hold this therapeutic space for you, I think that that would be better. Oh, you don't have that right now? Okay, well, I want to support you in getting that. And I want you to have your needs met. So today... I'll hold space for you and I will listen and I will reflect to you. But I think our optimum relationship dynamic, you have that need met outside of our relationship. And if there's like a thing, and and this is so beautiful, I think I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I really do, I I so respect and value your, your perspective on this. And I think I have a, I think I have a similar, uh, a similar lens. And it's like, if you're, partner like needs you in a moment that like that moment is not going to be like that need is not going to be filled by that other person that's that's not there it's 
like filling in is fine, but you don't want to have like a piece of the structure that miss that's missing that you just inject yourself into every time mindlessly. Right. Is that, yeah. do, am I and this that? is the kick. This is the kick in modern relationship we get from feeling needed, but we're supposed yeah. to be needed by kids, maybe even dogs, but not by our partners, not by our partners. That's exactly what the trick is. So I give you an example of this. If you, allow yourself to become your girlfriend's therapist without thinking about it. And you get a kick out of it. You're also responsible for the success of the therapy session. <laughs> yeah. She will blame you if you're not a good therapist. Yeah. She will have the right to blame you because you took on that role. <gasps> now, if you tell her, my advice from a sort of Bardian psychoanalytical perspective <laughs> is that you should actually go find an older woman. And if you don't have one, that's actually a weakness on your part. It's your responsibility as the woman in my life and as my female equal to go and find an older woman you can counsel, find counseling from when you need therapy. And if you said that to her and she says, well, I don't have that woman, you said, okay, I can probably temporarily, temporarily try to step in today, but you've got to be committed to you need to find that woman. Let's see where we're at right now with your problem, see what I can do. Once you said that to her, you made yourself a second-rate therapist, which is a much better position to be <laughs> yeah. the best therapist in the world. Yeah, so she might say something management. like, "She might say something like, well, you actually don't know what you're going to answer.' Said, I have no idea. What do you think an older woman would say?" Great. <laughs> so you removed yourself, ironically, from the sort of successful therapist, you know, role you you you, yeah. you appointed. And this is what's important. What's important is that you just said, I am not the one you're looking for, but I can, of course, try my best right now. Yeah. And then, of course, when you go into territory with her, but actually you're not very comfortable, you actually have no clue. You should say so. Yeah. I said, that I may, think... maybe, this is, maybe this is where a man who you live with and who's your husband or boyfriend, sexually attracted to you, maybe that's where he just falls short because I'm not a woman, you're a woman. I'm not older, I'm your age, et cetera. And maybe it's just both old age and it's wisdom and another woman who could actually advise you here. So that would make her, of course, give her an incentive to go find that older woman even more. And it also makes you not responsible for the outcome of the therapy session. Yeah, well, I I, I think you. this has been very clarifying. And I think when when you say, uh, I guess I would I would push back and on the part where, her not having an older wise woman is a weakness on her part. No, it's literally a weakness for our relationship, right? Yes. Like our relationship is supported by these outside entities, thoughts, uh, energies, archetypes, however we want to talk about it. And, you know, like me not having sage, other men who are wise and who listen to me and who actually have my best interests at heart and aren't just petty, immature people who just tell me there's more fish in the sea. That's an enormous weakness for our relationship. Like our relationship just isn't going to stand unless I have men behind me who are saying, no, 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 this is hard. Do your work, man. I know it's hard. Do your work. Here we go. Like, here's the work. Let me help you understand it. Let me help you see it. Let me help you let me help support you as you do it. But this is the work. Do the work. It's not the other person. Don't worry. Do the work. Right. Like, and, and the, the other side of that is exactly true. If we don't have a sage woman encouraging you to do the work, then I'm left to be the person telling you to do the work. And that's the most fucking insufferable 
dynamic in relationship where you insist that your partner has to do the work. And that's actually a, a thing that, that, um, that that's advice that is floating around in the modern relationship advice a lot, which is like, you got to find a person and make sure they're willing to do the work. And it kind of puts, it kind of like sets people up to be the principal for their partner to be their little stupid student that they have to monitor over whether or not they're doing the work. And that is just an insufferable dynamic. I felt it in relationship oh, yeah, in one absolutely. of my previous relationships. Oh, oh, it was it's just literally, I was told that I needed a therapist and I was like, just get fucked. Just get out of here with that. Like, you never tell. Like, like we need, you know, a, a, a more sane way to put that is like, we need support systems on both sides of the relationship. And we need those support systems to be both like same sex and the opposite sex, right? Because like I need other women in my life. Like my best friend is a woman, you know, like I have all kinds of men and women relationships, my relationships with my best friend's wife and the other best friend's wife and all the like I have and so lesbians and fucking God bless them. God bless them. But it's just like. We need those support systems. And it's not yes. because you're fucked up. That's the thing. That's the thing that's getting that's getting touted lately is that you need a therapist because you're fucked up, man. No, no, no. Well, you the, need thing, a the thing is, women don't go for Marlboro Man. I know. Women know that Marlboro Man is, but, you know, he's he's the weirdo. He, he, he is. He doesn't he's, have support systems. No, exactly. So the question is then why we go for women who, why we go for Marlboro girl? We won't, yeah. right? So this is the, again with your partner, instead of telling your partner, you need a therapist. Well, what difference is that going to make? You know, you better ask your partner, how, how, how is your support doing? I mean, what kind of support system do you have outside of our relationship? Yeah, how are totally. you dealing with people of your own gender? And that's exactly why a lot of girls these days to come up to you and they try to cruise you and uh, with, with the line that I don't really like to hang out with the girls. I like to hang out with the boys. And I just look at this and that wasn't a very good thing to say. What do you mean? Really? You're weak with other women. That's not sexy. Mm. Sorry. You don't find single men sexy, do you? You find the guy sexy who come in here, a whole bunch of guys in the group and the guy stands in the center of that group and who's the leader of the group. That's the sexy guy. Like, yeah. Okay. Why would I think differently about women? Yeah. Why would I think the single girl who can't even handle the other girls is a strong woman next to me? If she's terrified of other women, she's weak and dangerous, and she will instantly go into a daddy-daughter relationship and not take responsibility for herself. So yeah, don't don't go for the don't go for that girl. It's just like the girl who brags about not doing well with other women. Why would that? Why would that give her a good score to begin with? I love women who are good with other women. I love women who are comfortable with other women, and that's that's what women expect from men. And I think it's only sound or reasonable that we men should expect the same from women. And this is where we get back to the issue when she asks for advice, and you know she plays into that role of, "Well, you're strong, you know shit. Why don't you become my therapist?" And you say, "Okay, this is quickly deteriorating into." daddy-daughter relationship rather than being a man and a woman who meet each other as equals. Uh, I don't know if we should go there. So, you know, yeah, I will, of course, help you if nobody else is around. But at the end of the day, how can I support you to have especially older women around you and be connected with them? Yeah. Yeah. And man, I have a lot of sympathy for 
both men and women trying to find these kinds of relationships in 2022. I think that yeah, the- and, and the first thing an older person will tell you because they're in demand. <laughs> the first thing a mentor will tell you is that listen, can we just get rid of your narcissism to begin with? Your belief that you're the center of the universe. You're you're a 23 year old woman. That's fine. Let's see if you can turn 24, 25 with some grace, right? That's what a good mentor will tell you. The first thing that will kill is your belief that you are incredibly interesting in the center of everything in the universe. Mm-hmm. No, you're not. But an older person loves your energy and you will love their wisdom. And the trade between wisdom and energy is the trade between generations that is so beautiful. And of course, this is the adults' relationship between adults and children. We love children for the energy. They love us because we know shit. Yeah. So it starts there. Having, you know, relationships across generations and within your own gender is a very, very good foundation for then dating women. And I was just going to go into that before, that the date is the trick here. So... Dating is not only going out with a woman to a great restaurant on a Friday night and having great South African pinotage wine. <laughs> oh, God, it's fruity. I love it. No. <laughs> it tastes banana, literally. So anyway, it's not about going out with a friend. Actually, in a sexual relationship, say it's your primary partner, your girlfriend, she's the sushi of your life, Right. Everything you do with her until the next time you fuck her is dating. Mm. It's a constant date. Now, you wouldn't go on a date with a woman and bring her to a fancy restaurant and, you know, move move the chair for her and have her seated. And, you know, you surprised her, right? She goes like, wow, this restaurant I've dreamed about. I've never been here before. And a chambre separée just for the two of us? Wow. You want her. That's not the time to bring up a therapy session, is it? No. No. So why have therapy sessions at all in a sexual relationship? Mm. The point is this. I think you should define your relationship with your primary partner with your girlfriend as a constant date. Mm. And its only release is when you have sex with her to then build that constant date again. And you think of it as a constant date gets difficult. Maybe you should move away from each other for a while and then date like mad. Because that's what I do with my girlfriend. It's like we don't live together. We date more than any other couple we know. We love it. We love the art of dating. Like we're experts at the art of dating. You know, mm-hmm. we do it's checking in the first hour. Then we enjoy the meal and the wine. And then suddenly creative things start bubbling up. And I hear from her what only a really smart woman could tell me. And none of my friends have said that ever. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of perspective that a man cannot give me. I love hearing a woman giving me the feminine perspective. This yeah. is what we women would think. Yeah. Really? Wow. That's a totally different approach to, to the problem. It's just like, and, and having that during a date is fantastic. And then, of course, you get the snogging and then obviously you go to bed at the end of the night or whatever. You know, but, but the thing is that if you look at your relationship with your primary partner as a constant dating process, and you will discover that, yeah, there are things in there that you can't call dating. Certainly, we got a problem we need to solve, not dating, right? Problems need to be solved. When you go closer to the more personal stuff, like therapy, I'd strongly advise, I can guarantee that the less therapy you have in your relationship, the better sex life you will have. Yeah, and I want to, do, the, the, the delineation here that you made that I didn't quite reflect back to you was that the therapy is like, it's the old shit and it's also the old shit that's triggered by the local circumstance and digging into that is 
unwise in your intimate partnerships. However, like the sympathy and the warmness and the love and the support of the bumps and bruises of life and existence is like something that I'm looking to have from all my fucking relationships, right? Like all my friends know that my dog is dead. I didn't tell any of them because my other friends are like, Hey, like Ari needs support right now. It's like, it's hard. Like we put his dog down. It's hard. Right. So, so there's a difference between like getting support, getting love, having like our, our recent wounds licked by our friends and our family and our intimate partner is totally reasonable, but like really like the existential things and the, the deep patterns and the old traumas, all that shit is better or it, it, it's likely to taint our sexual relationships. It's likely to taint our intimate relationships. And I'm not a fucking therapist. I mean, I know some shit, but I'm like, and the fact that I relate so close to you and that I love you and that I have sex with you, like, I just like, I'm now there's like a, there's like a too much bias to overcome, right? Like you don't fuck your therapist because you don't want to fuck up your therapeutic relationship. Right. And you don't exactly. like no, a good, your a lover. good therapist is not a close relative or anything like that. In psychoanalysis, you cannot even know each other. Yeah. You, you know, once you finish your psychoanalysis, you're, you're not allowed to say hi to your analyst if you see him in the street. Because you never had a personal relationship. The whole, the whole thing, that's exactly what works so well. So having a friend to talk to is something entirely different from having an analyst, for example. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So analyst is much similar to confession booth where you can't see the person you're talking to and they don't know who you are. Yeah. It's much similar to that. And that's where therapy really belongs. I can tell you exactly when it really goes down the drain in relationships. It's when nothing really happens between a man and a woman. It's getting a bit boring and they're both afraid of being born to their partner. So one of the partners starts a drama. Yeah. And brings the relationship into a therapy session that is basically filling out a space that should be entertained with something entirely different. Yeah. But they're so afraid of being boring to their partner, which is what most people are afraid of these days. Like, oh God, hope I'm not boring. Hope I'm not boring. You know, people can be afraid of being ugly, fat, unsexy, whatever. But the, the one thing they're really afraid of these days is to be boring to their partner, yeah. to not be entertaining and funny. And, you know, in, in exactly when nothing happens, you get that little borderline diagnosis light version <laughs> that comes in through the door. And one of the two partners in, in the relationship starts drama, which is usually, usually something like, oh, this is something that's been haunting me for a long time. I need to process this and bring in their partner. In. It's the least sexy thing you could possibly do. It will kill your sex life in no time at all and put you into an immediate crisis in your relationship. Mm. So this is why I'm saying that, bit, you know, yeah, listening to your girlfriend, helping her out with shit, of course you do that. But, but when you go into the sort of therapeutic mode, it, you're buying the energy from sexuality. Right away, uh, you're, you're, trading life. you're trading it exactly over to the therapy session. That can be done temporarily, right? Just like when she's giving birth to a baby. You're not going to fuck her the same day, are you? Then you're a real pervert, right? So, so your your love relationship is somewhere else entirely. Your fucking baby's being born, you know? You're like yeah. totally divine that day with her without fucking her. So there's a different relationship happening that day. Yeah. So it's it's not that I'm against therapy per se. I'm just saying that, Overdoing therapy inside relationship is a contemporary massive problem. 
And the way to deal with basically to support your partner in having a stronger network within their own gender. I, I even recommend that's guys such a look, beautiful, that's such a beautiful message. Like if you yeah, want your even, relationships even the guys, to even the guys who come to me and they want to have some, you know, the time thing, you can love unlimited, but time is limited and say, what kind of relationship should I have there? I said, I recommend guys to think about their life. It's about two thirds with your buddies and one third with your woman. What? Only that? Yeah. Why? What's the word? Sex life much better. And yeah. she can have more time with her girlfriends. And when you meet and you're with her, Wow. And it can last for years and yeah. years and years, right? So you, if you want to crush the romanticism and really find deep love with a woman, give yourself two thirds of her life with other men. You know, that includes work life and things like that. Yeah. You know, give yourself two thirds of your awakening life, you know, with other men. That's a reasonable proportion, to be honest about it. Not being with her all the time. Because being with her all the time and, you know, looking after all the time, just, just makes it really symbiotic. And symbiotic relationships are not good sexually. Sex mm. requires a certain distance, like she's not here, I'm dreaming about her. Yeah. Or we like to see her and then yeah. seeing her. And once you see her, it's just like, yeah, she's the one. She's yeah. the sushi of the world, right? Yeah. yeah. Constant Two-thirds. access. Good advice. Two thirds for the bodies. Yeah. One third with woman. Yeah, I think that is good advice. And I think that the the foundational advice of of being cognizant and mindful of the expectations and the needs that you have that are being met by your relationship. Because I think that any relationship, like just like any structure, it's just like it can, it can only bear so much. It yeah. can only bear and so we much. need we need to say man and woman. Not I, you know me, I'm tribal. I'm totally tribal. I think you know, the most humane, best, most humane societies ever invented. The men lived in one huge tent. The women lived in one huge tent. They met during the ritual, fucked each other like mad. Sex life was great. Children being born nine months later and the children belonged to the entire tribe. And I think children should be raised by the village, literally. Okay. We can't do that right now. That's why right now we need to get out of the boy meets girl, Romeo, Juliet sort of romanticist attachment. We need to understand we, we ended up in that trap because we threw religion out the door and replaced religion with romantic love. Yeah, I think love is fantastic. I'm not that interested in romanticism. I think it's incredibly overrated. It's basically you were romantic about your God. You don't believe in God anymore. Now you're romantic about your girlfriend. Oh, God, no. Right? That's the wrong way to go. No, rather look at men and women for what they are and see that they're naturally, of course, sexually attracted to one another in 95 cases out of 100. Great. Good place to start. Now, how can we save the man-woman relationship? And I think that's the great sort of therapy question over the next 30 years. And it starts with taking the therapy out of the relationship itself and recognizing that sex is incredibly important. And I advise all my friends who come to me who are in their 40s or early 50s and the sex life is gone and done and out the door. And I said, that's terrible. Now, Either you make an effort to bring sex back. Maybe you gained 10 kilos the last two years. Okay, go to the gym, make a fucking effort to look sexy, you know? You have to do the work again to bring, you know, sex and love back into your relationship. Yeah. Or maybe you made the effort, your partner didn't, and you've, you've gone separate ways. Then it's time to go and see a divorce counselor, you know, and get over it and try to find a new partner. Because really... I'm 61. <laughs> I'm still horny like hell. If I didn't have sex in my close relationships, they'd be nothing. Hmm. They'd be nothing. 
It's that important. And that's why you and I have talked so much about sex, because if it's ignored, you come back to the question, oh, you pretend you have a great relationship with a woman, you sleep in separate bedrooms, haven't had sex with each other for the past six months. That's terrible. That's not a successful relationship yeah. at all. That's faking it completely, right? It is. Yeah, it is. So that's why I emphasize, it. I, I, I'm not a prophet of sex, I'm a prophet of love. I think all tantric teachers are. But what they try to teach people is to enjoy sex for what it is, just like you enjoy alcohol for what it is, or you enjoy sushi for what it is. And not try to pretend it's like the one thing that sort of compasses everything else in your life because it isn't. And no woman wants to be the replacement for everything else in your life. Yeah. She just wants to be your woman. She deserves to be just your woman. Yep. Yeah. And the quality of our relationships is predicated on how interdependent and how supported and integrated we are in our communities, our families, our friends, our the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes you can learn a few lessons from Pentecostal Republicans, you know, they, <laughs> they do have a lower divorce rate. There are reasons for it. The community is much stronger. The stronger your community is, the lower the divorce rate becomes. Yeah. And this is what we're now learning in Scandinavia, where we trusted the welfare state too much, killed our civil society and got the highest divorce rates in the world. Yeah. We're now yeah. finally getting around to maybe we should have a different concept of family to begin with, right? So it's just not jumping from one partner to the next and have four divorces behind you when you're 70 years old. Yeah. You don't even know who your family are any longer. Yep. That's disaster. Hmm. Not working. I can tell you from our perspective here. Hmm. So that's the price you paid for going secular. And I want to get the romantic attachment to boy meets girl out of, out of the door and see real men and real women starting dating each other, learning how to date each other. I think that's the way to go. I love it. I think this was an amazing exercise and I'm so grateful that we did this and that I was able to really clarify what you meant because I think that your messages on this is sage and wise and based as fuck. And I, I just, I, I'm so grateful. And these are, I, I get away with everything because I date women and live with men. <laughs> you get away. But hey, I'm a fucking monk. Okay, come on. <laughs> I do my Zen and my Sufism. That's what I do. But it is, it is. I am the guy that ends up in the confession booth. And what I've learned is to not be there with women too often. Again, I can sit down with a woman, give her advice. I prefer to stay with men because I'm better to give advice to men because I'm a man myself. Yep. And okay. I can advise girls to go to see see that woman over there. She's like my sister. She gets you. Yep. Talk to her, right? And that's it's from the confession booth perspective and having heard hundreds or thousands of stories that you finally get the picture. Love it, Bard. Thanks so much, brother. Love you, Ari. Okay, everyone. Welcome to the end of the show. Thanks for making it this far. I hope that is helpful for you. It's helpful for me to synthesize my thoughts on relationship and to have such a, uh, how would I say, such a astute sounding board and conversation partner as Alexander to talk about these things with. So I hope that was helpful. And like I said in the intro, if you're listening to this and thinking that my worldview and or relationship advice would be helpful to apply directly to your relationship that is a great place for my philosophical coaching practice. So if you're interested, check out airyintheair.com slash coaching. There's a link there for a free intro call 
and I would love to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.